0: dreaming about a premiership cup We love our clubs, but they never win. Two flags in 100 years. That shit if you think we'll be insightful. Clever or just well-researched. We're here to say that's not the case. We'll just go out and wing it. We are Two Guys, One Cup. It is Tuesday. April the 9th. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. I am Will Anderson. And I am Charlie Clawson. And kudos to you, Mr. Anderson, for fronting up to the show this week. Uh, I was with you when the Bulldogs were playing the Gold Coast. Uh, I watched your pain. Uh, I saw it in three dimensions. In fact, you went to the bathroom at one stage and I heard you scream so loudly. I thought he must have got his dick caught in the zipper because it was so pained, the scream. But when I yelled out and asked you what was wrong, you said you'd just check the score at three-quarters time.
1: It really was, uh, you know, in that scene from The Princess Bride where they know where Wesley is because he's screaming the most <laughs> tortured sound that anybody's screamed in their entire life and they know it must be him. That was what it was like. And I had forgotten because we'd been recording something else. So I'd, we'd had the... We'd had the footy off and I've gone in uh, for a little break and I've decided to check the score while I'm uh, using the bathroom, which I know is gross and disgusting, but it was an emergency situation. I didn't know the score. And then I let out this groan or this moan that I must have realized afterwards when you were like, are you okay? You were quite panicked. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, probably should have warned Charlie I was going to check the footy score.
0: <laughs> you know, it's funny. I have been doing this thing with the football this year, which... Possibly, the I guess it's not the recommended way to consume football, but it's the only way I can do it, which is I will record the game and then I'll come home and I'll watch it and I'll watch it on fast forward. So I can just watch the, I can watch the score ticking over and it looks like if we're kicking goals and I can just slot down. But as soon as your position gets a run on, I, I hit fast forward again. So I came home and watched that Frio Saints game, didn't know the score and watched the whole thing in fast forward, except for when I saw bits I liked when I'd pause it and rewind it, watch the bit I liked and then fast forward through the rest. I think you've stumbled on a wonderful
1: plan, Charlie. i got to be honest with you. The okay. AFL are always like, how do we make the game faster? How do we make the game more exciting? Yes. But the problem is that the offset to that is there's so many injuries in the AFL now. And a lot of them are high-speed related injuries, right? The players are just playing so fast that their knees and ankles and hamstrings and whatever give way. But what if we actually brought in a speed limit? Uh, we got all the players together and we got them to play at like three quarters of the speed they're now playing, but we recorded all the games on delay and we sped them up. <laughs> so, so the players
0: don't have to get faster, no injuries, but it still seems as fast. So are they playing at such a slow pace that even watching it fast forward, it still goes for roughly two hours? Or are we saying that all football matches now go for about half an hour because you're watching it at, at double speed, triple
1: speed? I say they go for about two and a half hours. We add half an hour and we subtract half an hour from what they take now. So – We tighten them down in the mix. You know, we do a little edit in the mix, uh, but we basically just speed everything up. So it's not a complex procedure to do. All you're doing is
0: getting to the point where you can speed it up. But you're saying put speed limits on the players. And I like this idea. I'm wondering if we could bring in a competitive element where teams actually can be penalized if they exceed the speed limit. So you've got two teams moving the ball very slowly and methodically. And if someone gets a run on, they get penalized. It's like a 50 meter penalty
1: yeah it's like that thing of you have to sprint for a ball but you only have to keep below the speed limit the whole way i mean that makes that chase if both players have to try to sprint as fast as they can but also make sure they don't go over the speed limit that adds an extra dimension to that chase for the ball it would look
0: like whenever you see speed walking at the olympics it would look like that
1: Plus, it'd be amazing if all the umpires had one of those radar guns.
0: Yeah, it'd be awesome. So they have
1: a whistle on one, on one chain and they have a radar gun on the other.
0: Oh, Can you imagine if we just bring in another reason for people to complain about the umpires? Well, I guess the downside would be when you went to see a game live, it would seem really slow. <laughs> it would. <laughs> There's a lot of debate around the rules this weekend, wasn't there? Uh, what in particular, Charlie? Well, the sliding rule. The sliding rule. People seem upset that it's people don't seem upset at the umpires they understand the umpires are doing a job but it's the interpretation of the rule yeah
1: and i love that too by the way we're like hey we know you guys are just doing your job we get it guys you've got to follow the rules we're just saying it's a stupid rule (laughs) uh we had nathan buckley on the radio this morning and we asked him about it and how'd you how'd um, you land that interview i know it was amazing just unfettered access to the... Actually, we, we find it hard to get him on, which is a whole other story of his uh, <laughs> own. Um, so uh, what did he say? We, we asked him about the sliding rule and mm-hmm. we talked about the fact that Pat- Patrick Dangerfield had um, uh, tweeted about it. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's Patrick Dangerfield. He's the head of the players, you know, uh, union. Like, you know, if he speaks, he speaks on behalf of the players. But Nathan Buckley did put it in perspective when he was like... Yeah, because Patrick Dangerfield does that all the time. <laughs> like, of course, Patrick Dangerfield hates that rule. Patrick Dangerfield is always diving for the ball. Um, so he could be a bit biased. But I think my simple solution would be legs in first. Mm. That's a free kick. And if you go
0: heads in first, then it's probably not a free kick. Well, it's funny. I heard one person saying that they thought the solution would have been like if it was, it was um – was. Uh, 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 who was it? The North player on Gary Rowland. It was um, Lindsay Thomas, right? That was the one that kind mm. of sparked the rule. Yes. And I and I heard one commentator say, if they had just heavily penalised Lindsay then, that would have sent a message out and they wouldn't need to bring this rule in because the players were going, okay, don't do that because you'll get like an eight-week suspension or whatever. That does not seem like a good solution to me.
1: To appropriately, inappropriately overshame somebody to send an example
0: for everybody else. <laughs> to make an example of a player, yeah.
1: Yeah, like first day of class, like the teacher just beats up one of the students so that none of the other students pipe up in class. (laughs) Jesus Christ, what kind of high school did you go to? I'm just going to have to bash this one weekly to set an example so you all stay in line. Best teacher we ever had, except for Gary.
0: I love how most people, when they use that example, they talk about being in prison and beating up the biggest guy in prison to set an example. (laughs) But you go to a classroom and say, teacher beats a student. (laughs)
1: Well, no, because at least when you beat up the biggest guy in in prison, you're taking on a big target. But this, like, Lindsay Thomas got it wrong. But essentially what that commentator is suggesting is we needed to run Lindsay Thomas out of the game and
0: shame him forever just so that nobody else ever did it again. Exactly. Speaking of um, shaming, uh, shame was brought on the great game of AFL with a little bit of sign language from Dusty Martin this weekend. What He'd be good to play charades with Dusty because you certainly know what he's... uh, spelling out well that's a thing it's one of those beautiful moments on the footy field where you don't need the audio to know exactly what he said like everyone is a lip reader in that instance
1: oh well it wasn't like he was using a whole lot of complicated sentences (laughs) i mean he got a please explain from the afl i always love when they give him a please explain i just would have sent the clip of what happened to the afl and gone uh here's the explanation i said uh have another line you fuck with and i gave him (laughs) a finger that's what was going on. Because you remember he was like a fuckwit and he had all those lines. I was referencing that. And just so he got it, I also put my finger under my nose and I mimed someone doing a line. <laughs> to be honest, I started chanting sausage, 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 but no one got that on camera. But I did it at all. <laughs> You, please you. explain. I was trying to put him off and I gave him the finger and said, have, a, have another line you fuck with. What, what is there to explain about that? What nuanced discussion is... like? What's Dusty's... What, what is he meant to say in that situation as, as the please explain? If you've been on the football field and you've given the guy a finger and you've referenced something you know that we all understand, what's the please explain?
0: I don't know. Like I feel like... I remember when I was in... Year four or something, um, I swore at a kid in the playground, and we got pulled into the teacher's office, and he made me say, you know, in this in this different environment, exactly the words I'd used, and so I had to say, um sorry, sir." I called him a bloody fucking dickhead, <laughs> like as if somehow <laughs> that was uh, approaching any kind of solution to the problem. All it did was make the other kid laugh. <laughs> so, because <laughs> well, you rec-
1: you're not saying it in the same way either, are you? No, that's like the thing. You, you've come in and now you're all meek and mild. And yeah, so be the that's
0: same what with Dusty. With Dusty, yeah, he's got to say. Right, uh, Dusty uh, comes
1: in. He has to go down to AFL House. He has to sit in an office with Gil and Travis Old, and they're like, so Michael Christian, and they're like, so Dustin, uh, we've offered we've offered you to come in today to do a. Please explain, and uh, we need you firstly to say uh, to Shane, uh, what what did you say to Shane? And, and Dusty's like, um, I said, um, uh, have have another have, have another line. You you fuck with? <laughs> Um, and then Shane Mumford just starts laughing and chants sausage at himself (laughs) and then Gil and Travis join in Michael Christian's joining in everyone's like sausage sausage (laughs)
0: Steve Hawking bursts through the door he's like what's going on guys sausage sausage I would have actually preferred to have Dusty go in and just like Trump style just lie his way out of it just double down and lie and say no that's not what I said I asked him would you like another wine sweetheart (laughs) Uh, yeah, if he just went on the offensive,
1: no, nope, there's no evidence that ever happened. Wasn't uh, me. You it's won't the be able shaggy defence. Any evidence that it happened? I was not even there that day, as you can see from my champion data stats. I was not even there when the incident. <laughs> ah, take that. Boom, dusty.
0: take that, Dusty. <laughs> I'm always surprised that people sledge Dusty. I'm like, don't you know who his dad is? Yeah, but his dad's in New Zealand at the moment. So as long as I don't plan to go to New Zealand, I think I'm fine with that joke. Well, every football ground has a car park. That's all I'm saying. You're safe while you're in the stadium, but as soon as you leave the change rooms, watch out. Real dark Paul Kelly song. <laughs> uh, winners and losers for the round. Biggest winner. Well,
1: Gold we should cast. talk about
0: the Saints first because like we both had similar experiences on the weekend, yeah. to be honest, in well, that both of our teams lost by a kick. Mate, after last year, everything... Everything is an improvement this year. So that was an honourable loss. Um, we sort of let the game get away from us. We 30 points down at one stage in the second quarter, and it looked like they were going to run all over us. And then they showed a bit of grit, determination, but it's just the, the goal kicking that's letting us down. We just need that little bit of polish, just that little bit of... We need Sean Burgoyne. We need a player like that, someone you can give the ball to in the last quarter, and you just know they're going to slot it when all the pressure's on.
1: Just by the way, that is such a, a St Kilda move. You've got Hanabry now. Yeah. At the end of the season, you'll recruit Sean Burgoyne. Like, I mean, <laughs> he's got a busted hamstring. He's got a broken groin. He's 37 years old. And the Saints have got, we've got ourselves a Burgoyne. This is what we've been looking for.
0: Here's a six-year contract.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh,
0: yeah, Hawthorne's been working on rebuilding John Coleman, and they've brought him back to life, and they're playing him at full forward. Um, it was a shock seeing that five get knocked out. No one likes to see that. Did you see the footage of that? No, pretty nasty. I did see the footage of that. Yeah, top of the top of the skull, right into the cheekbone. Um, you know, there are some apparently there's some other players at Frio as well. <laughs> did you know Rory Lobb plays for Fremantle now? I uh, I didn't really. No, to be honest, I get that. <laughs> I, I, I and the, I feel
1: like it's is, is it is it his first season at Frio, or has he been there for a year?
0: Yeah, no, first season, and I only know that because we had a whole discussion last year about his three-quarter sleeves, which he. Seems to have gotten rid of, I believe, at free. Maybe Ross Lyon put his foot down and said, we'll draft you, but just normal sleeves. Either sl- normal sleeves or no sleeves. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I'm okay with that. I, I, um, I'm okay with him. New club, new sleeve length,
0: new direction. I feel like he will be the new Jesse White. I feel like we will be discussing whether or not he's actually retired or playing for the next couple of seasons.
1: He's one of those players who could be a really good player, but he just... Like, he, he definitely is a decent player. Yeah, like Reece, he, like Reese Stanley. Could be a good yeah. player. And occasionally you'll watch a Friday night match and he'll dominate and you're like, hey, Reese Stanley's really good. And then you watch five other games and you're like, oh no, he just plays like
0: one good game every four or five games. It's funny actually, in Nick Revolt's book, the only player he pots is Reese Stanley. It's a weird thing. Like, Rui doesn't really have much bad to say about anyone. He's quite complimentary to the whole book. But the one guy he decides to stop and pot... Is Reese Stanley, and uh, you've got to think about like okay, I mean, because what he complains about is that you know he sort of took Reese under his arm and tried to show him everything that was required to you know succeed at the top level, but no a, no technique of motivation would work on Reese. You couldn't sort of tough love him, you couldn't mollycoddle him. It was just like nothing seemed to get him up. And it's just like yeah, but you. The training standards of a Nick Revolt, I think, would make you look at any 90% of other humans and go, yeah, maybe not everyone's going to live up to your standard. Also, when you're writing a book about the career of Nick Revolt, um,
1: and there's so many good stories to tell, the fact that you've stopped down to give Reese Stanley a drive by <laughs> is. I think tough on Reese Stanley. Yeah, totally. nobody who was reading the Nick Rewalt book. Like some people would be asking about, could you tell the story about the nude photos that went around the internet? Can you tell the story about, you know, the losing grand final, the, the you know, these sort of things. They're the stories that people would be like, they have to be in the book or this book's bullshit. But I don't think anyone would have got to the end of the Nick Rewalt book and went, "Where well, was the stuff about Reese Stanley?" <laughs> I mean, it was a good book, but not a word about Reese Stanley and his work ethic. I need to know more about the mediocre career of Rhys Stanley. Yeah, exactly, guys. Could, could this absolute champion of the game spend some time like, mocking somebody who isn't a recognisable enough player to deserve this sort of attention? Yes. Yes, he can. It's Rhys Stanley time. And poor old Rhys Stanley is like,
0: am I the only person who gets a bagging in this entire book? Well, look, when it comes to writing the Two Guys, One Cup book, I think we need to pot Rhys Stanley as well. And it's not because of his football ability. But it's because not. he has a headband, yet he does not have the hair to warrant the headband.
1: I mean, there's nothing that sums up Reece Stanley more than the fact that he wears a headband when he doesn't have the hair to need the headband. I think that says everything you need to know about Reece Stanley. It's, it's like a, an author that can't be bothered giving like, a character a full personality, so they just give them a distinctive item of clothing that sums right. up their entire personality. <laughs> oh, headband That's what guy. That, yeah, it's a headband guy. You know, it's a shortcut. It's yeah. like in Game of Thrones where you're just like, oh yeah, the, the guy with the big head. Like <laughs> that's yeah. what he is. The guy's always got a sword on or whatever. Like Reece Stanley is that guy and it says everything about his character that you need to know. He has traditionally done very well against the Bulldogs. He's one of those players that if you only watch Reece Stanley over his career against the Bulldogs, you think that Reece Stanley was a, a player deserving of several chapters in the annals of
0: AFL history. So tell me, um, what are your immediate feelings in the aftermath about the Bulldogs' loss? Is it just an aberration? Is it something that they always do and it drives you nuts? I mean, of all teams to lose to, the
1: fucking Gold Coast. I mean, I already hate the Gold Coast, Charlie. Like, there's already a joke in my show about how much I hate the Gold Coast but I leaned into that joke particularly hard on Sunday night. There was Ooh, You showed them. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I guess we that means them. you get the four points back then. Apparently, Will Anderson burned you guys on stage.
1: Then we had fucking Tony Cochran, bloody mad Tony Cochran on our radio show on Monday. Oh, did had you? I to talk to bloody mad, bloody Tony Cochran having a great old time, enjoying the moment. Where well, we
0: was in a submarine like 4,000 miles under the ocean because he's worried about radio waves.
1: Yeah, exactly. He was calling us from the bunker and (laughs) I did love he gave uh, Stephen May and uh, he said uh, we asked him about losing the two captains at the end of the last season. And he said, which this is what I love about Tony Cochran, is he said to us, he said, well, you know, Stephen May and uh, Tom Lynch, you know, left our club for success and they're one of six. So I
0: was
1: like... Most presidents would be like, I can't say shit like that, yeah. but when Tony's down in the bunker, counting yeah. his toothbrushes and cans of beans, getting his aluminium hat on and celebrating a Gold Coast victory, he's up and about.
0: Yeah, he's just done hit a hit of nitrous oxide, bang, now I'll make a statement.
1: <laughs> just done a few bobs, he's like, yeah. I'm going to call into the radio. I'm
0: just going to take my underwear. Just under-
1: done some nangs, and <laughs> now to- I've got some opinions about our previous captains.
0: Let me just take the Tony's underwear my on head. the my
1: again." <laughs> oh, every president's meeting, everyone's like, where's Tony? In the car park doing names. He'll be in in a minute.
0: Nanging. When you got to go to his office, it's a, it's a compression session. <laughs>
1: What's we, what
0: do you want me to do with this balloon, Tony? Inhale. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's Tony's talk Tony's got us
1: a 7-Eleven sponsorship for Nang.
0: <laughs> nangs.
1: <laughs> so it turns out that Gold Coast have an off-site Nanging facility. <laughs>
0: I got to, um, I got to remind people that I predicted this. That was my luck of the week. Was the Gold yeah. Coast over you? I tried to tell you. you need people need to remind me. I'm the guy in every disaster movie. I'm the scientist. who's like, don't you understand what's happening? In round one, I said, "Look, we only just beat them. They're not as bad as everyone thinks they are." and No one listened to me. They laughed. Mm-hmm. They laughed. But now you know the full wrath of the Gold Coast names. <laughs>
1: We've changed the name. Yeah. Tony's got a new idea. He's changed the name to the Gold Coast Nangs.
0: Their mascot is just a giant bulb, a dinted bulb running around.
1: Yeah. The Gold Coast, home of the Nangs. (laughs) I reckon that'll get more Gold Coast fans on board. Maybe they shoot like Nang cannons.
0: (laughs) Um, Your cats are doing pretty well. Your tips for the flag. Look good, man. They yeah. look very good. Or This is a thing. Did they look good or did Adelaide look bad? I can't work it out. I
1: watched that game. I think that – a bit of both. Yeah. But I think that Geelong have been benefiting from, well, two things. This is my read on Geelong so far, is that they've got a bunch of new kids who are all playing really, really well. Um, the trick of the kids is there's a lot of debutants, but not a lot of kids a whole bunch mm. of them have played a season or two in the VFL or at lower levels. They're kind of hardened, ready to go AFL footballers, which give you some hope that maybe they'll sustain it throughout mm. the season because it's going to come down to how well those guys sustain their momentum. And then just the willingness of the, the older guys to, you know, take a little bit out of their roles, like mm. Selwood going back to halfback and Ablett playing a little bit more forward. And, and I I just think, this new no-runner thing is probably helping Geelong because they've Mm. got a lot of on-field captains. Yeah, Like on every line, you've got Harry Taylor, you've got like, you know, you've got Ablett, you've got Joel Salwood, you've got all these. We talked about it with Hodgie, right? The idea Mm. that you might let someone play an extra season because they can do some on-ground coaching. Like Geelong are full of guys who are brilliant on-ground coaches and seem to have accepted the role of, So they've got these young kids who are ambitious and coming through. And then you've got these older on-field coaches who are organising well. And I think that's what's working for them at the moment.
0: Yeah. And when Ablett is like your third best midfielder, I mean, that says something. At one stage, I think it was just after uh, Danger kicked that goal from the centre square. Like you see him come off and Tim Kelly comes on. And you're like, all right, well, so they've absolutely lost nothing in that that exchange there. Like their depth is insane around the midfield.
1: Well, I think that it is that next level, though, that's... So Kelly's a bit iffy for this week, apparently. Like, you know, just injured, but not badly injured, but might miss a week. I reckon if he doesn't play this week, they're a chance to lose because it's those guys that are the real difference. You know, these other Mm. guys can step back because that level of Kelly and a few of those other guys have just absolutely stepped into those positions and are killing it. But their back line looks amazing. Like, with Blitzavs and with... um, uh, uh, what's his name? Tom. Uh, uh, what the? Uh, he's a fucking great footballer. What's his name? Tom, the Geelong back man. Tom, um, Lon- big Lon- handsome blonde Lone- head fellow. No,
0: Tom. not him.
1: He's from the olden days. Is it? Uh, and and uh, Harry? Yeah, playing back there again. Um, yeah. Tom Mitchell. Good.
0: No. No.
1: Tom the, Maxwell. Uh, Rainy Brown. No Tom Marshall. Tom. No. Tom Marshall, I don't know who that is. I
0: <laughs> oh, made that up. <laughs> I don't think he exists. I don't think there's any listed player called Tom Marshall. Yeah,
1: um, but th- yeah, they look good. They look good. I reckon. I reckon they've got a pretty solid, and they seem to be enjoying playing with each other and what whatever.
0: So, um, I heard Jimmy Bartell talking about Geelong and saying how, um, you know, they they always play well at the MCG or something like that. And I was like, when people talk about clubs. Like that, I don't understand how that works when, you know, you have a list that is completely different from the one you had 10 years ago. I mean, is he, are you talking, and not only the, the same players, but like the coaching staff has changed. So when you say Geelong plays the MCG well and they have, you know, since 2005 or whatever, like, where is that coming from? Is that just like intel that they've learned from playing so many finals and stuff that seeps into the club? What are they talking about? I think some of it's in the DNA. Some is it though? But what mythology. Okay, what is the DNA of a club, Will? Like how does that shit translate? Because DNA is passed on hereditary lines. <laughs> so when you're drafting a new players and having players coming and going, where is this blood work that seeps into the players? What is football DNA as you understand it?
1: Well, it's 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 about that it is about all those things. It's about the shape of the ground that you play on normally, the shape of the ground that you train on. It's about the attitude of the drive to go down to the MCG. It's about the, you know, um, the way that you prepare for the game, the method that you have, the history that weighs over that. If you're going, we've tried it like three or four times and it hasn't worked, then that becomes part of the mythology. You start to do that thing of going, Reese Stanley always plays well against the Bulldogs. You know, we all have, always have that, right?
0: That's football DNA. Those is it
1: things that we believe to be true,
0: or is it cogn- like, or is it cognitive bias? Is it like when you see a psychic or read a horoscope and you look for the things that make sense to the predetermined outcome you've already imagined?
1: Oh, I'm not sure that it's a real thing, but I think that the perception <laughs> becomes reality. Yes, yes. Do you know what I mean like I'm not saying that yeah you know, one team is particularly suited to another, but I think the perception of those things and what they contribute, you know, like AFL clubs design grounds for their training that replicate yeah, the grounds that they're going to play on, right? That's always the thing that's said is like this new stadium is much more like the MCG where the grand final is, so they're better at, yeah, the Eagles are better at playing, you know, on the MCG at grand final mm-hmm. time because they're playing on a, yeah, their game, Sydney, it's a Sydney thing, right? Yeah. Sydney have two very distinct game styles, right? One of them is on a shorter ground, one of them suits Buddy Franklin, one of them, you know, makes it, you know, a harder, you know, more difficult thing to do. Like, I, don't, I think those things make sense but I think the perception is often more than the reality
0: what about the Eagles like we can all agree they're they're really favorites. good they're really good right <laughs>
1: do you see Gaff
0: yeah like the only hope that people have of stopping Gaff is hoping
1: he punches someone again <laughs> he's unreal he's come back better than he ever was he's got something to prove and he was I mean he looked like he hadn't missed a minute of footy I mean I know he had that run in the AFLX that really probably fine tuned him but <laughs> He honestly,
0: he honestly did not. He looked Brownlee metal form, Gaff, you and know? It's, yeah, and it's kind of weird too, because this is an Eagles team that, you know, when we started this show, we weren't fans of the Eagles, but we've come to fall in love with them. And so I'm kind of keen to see what they do this year, because I do like watching them play. I do like a lot of their players, but it led me to the question of who is the villain of this year? Like every year you and I have kind of settled on a team as being like our villain. It was a West Coast and then it was like a GWS and I can't remember who it was last year. So leaving aside the obvious things of, of Collingwood, who is the story this year that's kind of evil? Who do you not want to succeed? And not, not Melbourne. <laughs> no, you're going to say Melbourne, but I think that's, that's for different reasons. But who do you fear? Who's your, who, which team is the Darth Vader of the competition? God, that's a because really we like Brisbane. Question. We like we like Brisbane as well, right?
1: We like Brisbane. Mm. I, I I don't think Adelaide are going to do it. I don't think Port Adelaide are going to do it, and I don't think either of them would feel like that anyway. Um, Could Adelaide, it be? Had, Adelaide had potential to be it? I reckon if Adelaide had come back after their grand final and just become that sort of like powerhouse team, they had potential. Mm. I think GWS had potential, but I think now they're. There's some affection towards them, you know, and their success and, Mm. you know, what they've managed to do despite the fact that they've lost players and been through what they've been through. I don't know. Who is Hawthorne? I I mean, I don't want to see Hawthorne succeed again. It's too soon.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that could be right, especially if all these kind of like Chad Wingard, Tom Scully, Jaeger O'Meara. If all this shit comes off, then there is plenty of reason to dislike Hawthorne. And I'll be happy with that. I'm happy to make them our villain this year, especially if they beat us on the weekend. I th- and a horse to be happy to be the villain too. Yeah. yeah they, re- you know they would I mean? relish in it.
1: They would embrace it. Alistair Clarkson would write a song about it and sing yeah, it to the boys. Totally. Because we're not horses anymore. We're evil horses.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> horses will fucking ride you this season, Daryl Braithwaite. And then they'd make a horse actually ride Daryl Braithwaite. To- <laughs> Alistair Clarkson, before the grand final, would get Daryl Braithwaite trampled by an actual horse to inspire the boys. I mean, <laughs> the Hawks had run through a banner of mean tweets that Alistair Clarkson had sent to
0: his own players. Would it be... what Would Hawthorne have to start winning more games to be the... Vi- can you be the villain and not be in the top eight? No. No, no, no. They have to be top eight. They have
1: to be threatening that if they make the top eight, they can win the whole fucking thing again. And then okay. they're the villains.
0: Okay. So we have to wait. So we'll have a clear idea of who our villain is at the halfway point of this year. Because when I look I around... I they've at- got some good villains too. Like if Sicily started playing really, really well,
1: mm. like if he just started dominating and just got more and more cocky, like that'd be like Anakin yeah. Skywalker becoming Darth Vader. Yeah. They like have, he could just go full evil. Like L.C. Clarkson goes to him and goes, we've tried telling you to not be a dickhead and that <laughs> doesn't seem to be working because we've identified what your essential character is and you're a dickhead. <laughs> and we've just decided to let our dickhead be a dickhead. We're not here to be loved at Hawthorne. We're the dickhead club now. And you yes. know what? You're our chief dickhead. You've got a lead from the front in your dickheadery.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're right. They actually have the perfect cast to be the new villains. Because at one end, you've got James Sicily, who's just like an evil, uh, what's it what's, Iron Ziering's character? Steve Sanders. He's like an evil Steve Sanders <laughs> at one end. Right. And then you've got the Chad, that strutting, tattooed, manscaped Chad Wingard at the other end. He's just like, oh, talented, but God damn him. Yeah, and all you need from a, a
1: Jaeger or one of those guys is just like a slight heel turn. Yeah. Like to show that even the pretty boy, the nice guy has been corrupted by the evilness that like infuses the entire Hawthorne system.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess what you'd need is you'd need the more likable players, like Ruffy and stuff, to take a bit of a step back. So maybe maybe he's managed weeks. Like, he'll just get taken out. Just to out, allow enough kind of heat to build around Chad and James Sicily.
1: Well, maybe, like, um, you know, uh, James Sicily should, like, yeah, it should yeah, drive Ruffy out of the club or something. He starts James Sicily starts relentlessly bullying Jared Ruffhead <laughs> until Jared Ruffhead has to retire. The most beloved player in the AFL has to retire because James Sicily bullies him out of the AFL.
0: Well James Sicily, because he doesn't want to be connected to the crime, he pays Dusty to harass him yeah. using sign language on the field. Something that'll yeah. really break him. <laughs> All right, that's it. That's a show. <laughs> uh, did you see that poor-odd Sheets Sheridan did his calf on the weekend? The newly mint, uh, anointed uh, Sheets Sheridan um, did a first game for GWS after we appropriated a nickname for him and uh, did a calf. So Sheets yeah. torn. Yes, we, um,
1: our thoughts go out to Sheets and to the entire Sheets family, uh, to, his, to his dad, Duna. To his mum, pillow.
0: <laughs> to his great granddad, undersheet. Oh, shit's family. And his fr- and his French cousin, duvet. <laughs> um, here's
1: uh something that um you might enjoy the concept of, and you can give me some ideas. Uh, okay. this came up this morning on the show, but um, it-, it felt very much like an idea for this podcast, which was okay. Uh, Dustin Martin, uh, I made the joke on the radio that, um, you know, the thing I loved about the finger and the the snorting thing was it'd be, make a really uh, great series of those NABs mini legends <laughs> <ads>. <laughs>
0: That's and a great idea.
1: Just like NAB mini total legends, you know, yeah. absolute legends. And it's just a team, like an ad made up. So you've got like a kid, Mumford. You know, yeah. you have the scene at the party, all the other kids chanting sausage, but he's yeah. eating a sausage. Do you know what I mean? Like it's all yeah. kid takes on it. But you've got like, yeah, Dustin Martin flipping the bird. You've got um, mini Jack Watts over at Oktoberfest snorting some Wizenpuvan. Like yeah. that's a good team, right? Who else would you put in it?
0: Well, I reckon you could spin the concept out, bring back uh, Steve Curry and Dave Lawson with those Toyota ads and just get stuff from yes. like history. So get like a mini Robbie Muir. Just going out and punching some kid on the boundary line. Like a mini Sam Mitchell going out and doing the injector symbol to some kid.
1: <laughs> mini Acker. Mini just Acker. doing a handstand. Yeah. You could have like. Uh, mini Brad Hardy swinging his jumper on the sidelines. Mini Campbell Brown just bashing his teammates outside a nightclub in LA. Mini plug a locket with a tiny little piglet. Yeah. <laughs> I love it.
0: <laughs> mini Wayne Carey and no I no no we don't want a mini Wayne Carey
1: <laughs> no 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 you've gone too far boys
0: I mean the best thing about it is you could have a mini Aaron Sandiland and still cast a full grown adult and you know the great news is that the mini Ben
1: Cousins won't actually have to get the Such his Life tattoo yeah it's hard to joke about Ben Cousins these
0: days oh, no, it? even it when it has nothing to do with his current plight yes I, I agree <laughs> I agree Charlie the comedy has finished when the laughter stops. Um, Melbourne. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Now at some point you must be feeling sorry for them now, right? Not at not at this point yet. At some point, perhaps. Ooh. But right at this point I'm enjoying it-
1: every moment of exactly <laughs> what I desire. Oh Charlie. It gives me such power. It gives me such a good feeling. Just that they're so disappointing. <laughs> that they got so many that their midfielders who are their guns are, are guns, but their back line and their forward line are by shit. Oh, Melbourne, sweet Melbourne, provider <laughs> of joy in my life. I, lo- I mean, I love I I love Melbourne, but for the joy they
0: bring me in being so Melbourne. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those things as if someone who barracks for a club that has imploded many a time. It's one of those things where when it's coming into round four as the supporter, and I did this last year, you have to start weighing up now. Okay, what's this going to cost me for the next six months? Like how much am I willing to endure? What will be the tipping point? All I'm saying is two more weeks, good news for the ski fields. (laughs) I know it's a Melbourne
1: cliche, but come on. You're packing up your cheese boards and you go into the snow.
0: When was the last time the Bulldogs went zero and four? Can you remember? Was it recently?
1: No, I mean, well, a few seasons ago we had a pretty shit season. It might have been then. I know in our premiership year we did the same as we've done this year. We did a win-win-loss. So, And they did a little stat under Bevo's years. I think that Bevo's years have all been um, you know, essentially two wins or some combination, one win, two wins. There's always been at least a win in the first three rounds. So um, I'm not sure when the last time was.
0: Well, would you? Say but I don't feel
1: bad for Melbourne because you never see a Melbourne person burn their membership. You know, other clubs, yeah. people like microwave their membership. But Melbourne fans don't because they don't have memberships because they're
0: all MCC members. MCC and MCC. they're like, well, I'm
1: not burning this. I want to go to the cricket.
0: Would you say, Will, that uh, it's a possibility that maybe the Melbourne players have been drinking, drinking their, their own, own bathwater? Bath water? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, why wouldn't you if you're a Melbourne fan? It's Evian. Bath water, and you've put a lovely lavender kombucha in, which not only makes your skin look fantastic, but is actually drinkable at the completion.
0: I, uh, I think it's funny how people can tell uh, from a player giving a halftime interview that he's clearly he's clearly switched off. And do you have an example? Well, that's exactly what happened uh, on the weekend. Um, was it Todd? Vi- uh, uh, was it Jack Viney Jack Viney or Camilla? I can't remember. One of the midfielders did an interview at halftime and. Gary Lyon was quick to jump on that as proof that they their heads were not in the game. They thought they'd won it because they came back in that second quarter. They got they got their their, their flow on, and uh, Gary Lyon was convinced that their heads were not in the game. It turned out he was right. Well, it turns out that Gary Lyon and
1: I could probably have a very very fruitful discussion about <laughs> the thing that, I mean, he's pained by it obviously as an ex Melbourne champion, whereas I you know am fed by it and it creates joy in my life and it lights a fire underneath me that can never be quenched. Uh, can only be quenched by Melbourne's success. Now, though, I mean, the thing that people said before this match is mm. that if Essendon lost, they couldn't make the finals, but if Melbourne lost, they could still make the finals because Melbourne are the sort of team, if they, they get it together, they could still win 10 games in a row and, you know, make a charge to the finals. And I actually think that's still true. Yeah. Like, you know, I feel I don't feel like just because Melbourne is 0-3, and three, Melbourne can't make the finals. Melbourne have, if they can get it together... They still have a good enough team that they can make finals and if they make finals they can win the premiership. They could they could win it from here if they if they, you know, are good enough, but
0: I just don't know if they are. It it makes me wonder I know that we have picked on teams in the past. Richmond obviously was a classic. But now, where are Richmond at? I mean, can we expect is this Richmond? This doesn't feel Richmondy, this feels different, doesn't it? Because there's been no setup for the collapse. You know, like the Melbourne thing, I guess, because they're coming off that top four finish and they came in with such optimism. But the Richmond thing, I don't know. It's not Richmondy, is it?
1: Well, it feels like Richmondy are trying to relive past Richmondy events. Mm. It's like watching a fourth Transformer movie or whatever, and they've just put more explosions in. They're like, losing the prelim wasn't Richmondy enough. We've also got to lose all our best players at once. But... The point is that we don't want to see that anymore. Yeah, We like Richmond and we like yeah. seeing their players play well. And we wanted Richmond to be a good team again this season. Last year was enough. We wanted Richmond to be one of those top four, top six you know, teams that are great to watch, that'll be, have cracking games with all the top teams. that like, And they still could as well. I don't think Richmond are done for the season either, but they're just having a really atrocious run of luck at the moment. Yeah. I, mean, I almost feel, I, I feel sorry for Richmond but, and I don't for
0: Melbourne, which says more about me than the state of the competition. And that's what I mean. Like, it doesn't have that Richmond, there's no joy in what Richmond are going through. Part of you is just like, oh, come on, like, just get it together. And this is such terrible luck. But two years ago, we would have been laughing our guts up about what was going on for them.
1: Yeah. Do you feel like this is like Anchorman 2? It's not yeah. that the movie isn't good. Stop trying. It's to- just that our tastes have moved on. Stop it's not trying. What we want anymore. Stop
0: trying so hard, Richmond. Like, you know what? It's probably more like Zoolander. Too much time has passed. The world has moved on. What was cute and funny two years ago is now just a bit sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. It's like when they always say, well, you couldn't even make blazing saddles today. Well, you couldn't. Times have changed. We like that's politically incorrect. And it feels like that with Richmond.
0: Yeah. <laughs> They're politically incorrect. Playing a politically incorrect brand of football. Yeah, and no, I feel like they could still make it as well. They've just got enough talent going around, but it's more the yeah. This could be reverse Richmondy. This could be the sort of what's reverse. It reversed? looks like
1: all is lost at the start of the season. They yeah. look like they're at their lowest point, but the night is darkest just before the dawn, and Richmond rise. I could see that. Like or I could see
0: Richmond. Is it Uber Richmondy, where it seems like all is lost and darkest before the dawn? Then they make a fucking brilliant charge towards the finals, and then comes a coup de gras of Richmondy performances.
1: Well, Charlie, uh, if we're talking sequels, every time there's a new Terminator, I'm like, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll like this one. So it could be the same with Richmond. I, I, if they built it up enough, I'd be willing to see a Richmondy fail again, no doubt. But they'd have to build it up enough. They have to win like fourteen in a row, and then Richmondy it again. Get all the players
0: back and lose. Now a team that we haven't really talked about this year, and no one's really talked about this year, is North Melbourne. Where are they at? Are they playing? I thought they had the first three rounds to buy. <laughs> it feels they like are. It. I mean, that's the worst. Just, that that is that is it's. They're in that state which is worse than terrible performances. They're just whatever. You don't. They don't evoke any reaction from you. North Melbourne are no good, but no one cares. And this we, was part of my problem with
1: the um. The Bulldogs, when we got bad again, is not enough people cared. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. the big clubs, questions are asked and the furnace is on and yeah, mm-hmm. the heat's on the clubs and you've got to answer all these questions. North Melbourne have essentially had – because they were a good team last year and they looked like they were a team on the on the rise and they've had a Melbourne-like start to this season. They should be getting the same heat that Melbourne's getting but they're not, not
0: getting anywhere near the same amount of heat because people just don't care about North Melbourne. It's funny. I didn't actually think about that until you mentioned it. But you're right. Like some teams get shit and no one just cares. Whereas I feel like, and maybe I'm just paranoid, when St Kilda gets shit, there is a particular delight in everyone ha- that everyone has in St Kilda being shit again. It's kind of like that old song that everyone knows the words to. Do. It's like I oh, love shack is on, you know. And so people do enjoy St Kilda like sitting in mediocrity. They're familiar with that. They're comfortable with that. Well, they're comfortable with it, but I'm not sure that we enjoy it. Maybe it's because, you know, that I do
1: this with you, but I don't, I don't think that people get a lot of joy out of it at killed of being shit.
0: Yeah, I think. There's a particular kind no, of no. like... I think, you know what it is. I think maybe the big... I think people believe it's a natural order of things, but they don't get joy out of it. Well, I, from my experiences, I think people who support the bigger clubs do enjoy... Like people like Michael Chamberlain's stuff. There is this kind of baffled curiosity about my club. There's this kind of like, wow! Like, how did you manage to fuck that up as well? That's amazing. How do you follow a club that's only got one flag? That's amazing. Like, there is this kind of, it's almost like visiting an alien planet and realizing that the people on this planet all have like six legs.
1: Yeah, uh, you should really judge me on the fact that when I was four years old, I made a decision that would haunt <laughs> me for the rest of my life. That's really my
0: fault now. But it, I mean, that is the thing though. Didn't make the decision, Well, I was born into it. My family pressured me into this decision. Like, I don't actually ever remember being given a choice. It was just like the saint scarf was on from the, the moment I can remember. If I'd known you could choose. Yeah, I, I understand that. It's like how
1: I judge Beck less that he's a Scientologist because he came from a Scientologist family. Yeah. You're like, oh, well, he was born into it. I was Whereas raised like, Catholic. Like, you know, John Travolta or t- Tom Cruise. I'm like, those guys are numbers.
0: <laughs> I was raised Catholic just like I was raised a sainer. Which has been more damaging to <laughs> Well, there hasn't been a cronial inquest. into The damage, the heart's broken by the St. Gilda Football Club. And they should pray it never yeah. happens. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, they should pray. <laughs> exactly.
0: There's a, a few old secrets down at the rooms at Seaford that should never be shared. I mean, could you launch a class action against a team? Like if I got enough supporters together. after Like after the... After the, the the drawn grand final, this following week when we got pants, if I'd sort of got to all the members together and said, look, enough's enough. Like, how many more ways? This is mental abuse. They take our money and in return we get this torture. Do you think we have a case? 100% you could do that. 100% you should do that. That should be
1: what we do this year. You should put together a group of prominent, disgruntled St Kilda supporters <laughs> And you should make a... Remember when that there was that mob who made a play for Richmond? Yeah, like yeah. They didn't get up. But they... You know, what are they called? It's called, like it's a, it's it's it's
0: t- called a, a rebel ticket. They formed a rebel yeah, ticket. Yeah, a rebel ticket. <laughs>
1: you should form a rebel ticket and you should challenge the currents in Kilda Board.
0: No, but that's a thing. Like I don't reckon the guys are doing the job now are doing a bad job. I, I definitely could not... Doesn't matter. ...do a better job. Not if you're going to run this rebel ticket properly. <laughs> you oh, you just- think it's just... This- You think the existential threat of me forming my rebel ticket will compel the Saints to greater heights?
1: Exactly. You don't have to get up. That's what the Richmond people proved. Yeah, it's true. You don't need to actually be successful. In fact, your worst possible scenario is that you're successful because you can't run a football club. You're (laughs) a terrible person to make those decisions. (laughs) Bring back Nick Rewald. Okay, you can't say that every week, Charles. All right. So I've Um, I've
0: got to round up like Tex Perkins, Eric Banner, Shane Warren, Michael Klim. Jane Bunn, Molly Melville well, I
1: think it's about who you can get. Okay. okay. So so my brother. He'll be in. <laughs> well, you need a couple. I reckon you you could get a couple of celebrities. Like, yeah. Eric Banner isn't going to hitch his wagon to your bullshit. Yeah. Eric Banner <laughs> could be on the Saints board if he wants to be. You know what I mean? Like... If he walked into a Saints board meeting right now and said, I'd like to be on the board, they'd either put an extra seat at the board table or one of the board members would just step down automatically and go... (laughs) I agree. You would be better at this than I am. Your egg banner. Welcome to the board. We've been waiting for this day. Balloons with banner on them would fall from the roof. They were green. They had his character from the Hulk because they'd been waiting since the Hulk came out for this moment to actually happen when he walked back into the club. These like deflated Hulk
0: balloons would just like. <laughs> from, <shriveled> from 2002. <laughs> they all pull out those Hulk gloves that everyone used to have, they all start beating them on the boardroom table. Banner. Banner, banner. Like they've been
1: under the boardroom table for 10 years and they've just been waiting for this moment to happen. They're like, banner, banner, banner. Some of the people are so old they can barely lift their arms up still. You know, one guy's like, you're not making me angry. You're going to like me when I'm not angry. Sorry, I rehearsed that 10 years ago. I
0: didn't really nail it today. Now I have Alzheimer's. I don't know what I'm talking about.
1: Sorry, I'm so sorry.
0: Hey, uh, these are my hands. We're under a, a time limit today, aren't we? So we should probably get to the games next week. Yes. All right. Mike. So we shouldn't do another 10 minutes on
1: you making a challenge for the St. <laughs> I'll,
0: I'll consider it. I'll see who I can round up, what signatures I can get. Okay. Okay. Thursday night, the Swans take on Melbourne at the SCG in a must-win game for both sides. Zero. It's uh, two, The two, they both haven't won a game this year. Is that right? Or does Sydney won one? Uh, no, they beat Carlton last one. week, of course. All right. Sydney looking for their second win, Melbourne looking for
1: their first. Tough, it's a tough one to pick this because I reckon Sydney is still vulnerable and Melbourne need a kill. And I reckon with their speed and their midfield, like Sydney are the sort of team that they could probably get the jump on. But, you know, Charlie, I just... And Melbourne have got to win one at some stage. I will say that, but I'm going to stick with my
0: heart uh, and say that uh, Sydney win and Melbourne lose. Okay, I'm going to pick the Demons in that game. Mm. On Friday night, the Pies take on the Bulldogs at the MCG. Both Look, smarting Col- after losses. I think
1: Collingwood are second-flag favourite. Yeah. I think the only team that really will beat Collingwood consistently, if, if, if that old, you know what they say, if they played each other ten times. Mm. Like, West Coast are the only team in the league, I reckon, at the moment, who would beat Collingwood more times than Collingwood beat them. I mean, it was
0: funny seeing um, Dom Dom Sheed have that shot on goal, isn't it? Like, it was so eerily similar. Like, that would be like if the year after the drawn grand final, like Stephen Milne playing against Collingwood, the ball bounces out of his hands fucking again. Like, it would enough to be triggering PTSD, I imagine, for a lot of Collingwood supporters. Um, I hope that it has. I hope that this gets inside (laughs) their
1: head. Um... Look, the Bulldogs need to play a lot better than they did. But I'm just going to pick the Bulldogs because, you know, they're my team. So I'm going to pick the Bulldogs. And they haven't given me enough reason not to. So I'm going to
0: hope that they can get the job done. I think that uh, you guys will be smarting. I think Collingwood maybe need a bit of a a wake-up call. I'm going to pick the Bulldogs too, Will. Oh, controversial. On Saturday, the Cats take on the Giants at GMHBA Stadium. Well, the only the only thing that's
1: going to get Geelong this one for me is that it's at GMHBA. Um, I reckon if it was the other way, if it was up in Sydney, I reckon I'd pick a GWS. Really, because I reckon they are really good. GWS. Um, Jeremy Cameron looked amazing on the weekend. He Thirty did. touches, seven goals. Um, you know, Cornelio is an absolute jet. Lucky Whitfield is a bona fide superstar of the AFL. Like, yeah. they have some amazing players. They're playing very well. Um, yeah. But I reckon Geelong at home. Geelong at home,
0: get it done. Yeah, Geelong. I don't think it will. it'll be hard to beat Geelong at home uh, this season. I'm going to pick the Cats as well. Look at this, we're almost in sync. Essendon taking the Lions at the MCG on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Brisbane. This Lions will be the week we go me. 0-9, By the way,
1: we'll, yeah. we'll agree on all of them, and we'll go zero nine. Neither of us will score.
0: Uh, <laughs> um, Lions for me. I think they're going to just the bandwagon's going to keep rolling on.
1: Lions are going to drop one at some stage. Um, This would be a danger game. Essendon got up and about and they look pretty good. And I reckon they'll match up pretty well against the Lions. Um, But I've got a bit of Brisbane Lions fever as well, Charlie. Yeah. And I'm happy to lean into it while it's happening. Because it might... This excitement of what it's like to be back on the Brisbane Lions might go away. Yeah. Most likely that it probably will at least be... You know, they'll, they'll lose some games. So while they're on a streak... I'm going to say the Lions as well.
0: I mean, speaking of a heel turn, I could very easily see Brisbane doing a heel turn. If they continue this form and start terrorizing teams heading towards September, I think all this excitement and joy I've felt about their ascent so far will quickly evaporate and I'll start just thinking about those teams of the early 2000s when they were terrifying. They're like the West Indies of Queensland.
1: Yeah, but again, they've got you know, Gil Gunderson in charge <laughs> yeah. of the club and it's going to be hard. Like, he doesn't feel like he can do the heel turn. Yeah. That, I mean, that'll, that'll be the most challenging thing.
0: I just want them to win the flag, just so old Gil can get up on that podium and they hand him the cup and, whoa, 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 whoa. slips off backwards whoa. off the stage. His pants fall down. <laughs> he's wearing yeah, boxes with love hearts on thinks he's trying to do them. that
1: Mark Williams thing with his tie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> with the choke, but he's not. He's just trying to loosen it and he's like, oh, boy.
0: Or he's actually choking. He goes to leave the coach's box and his tie, his tie gets caught in the fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez! Oh shucks! On oh, no! Oh. On the morning of the game, he's like uh,
1: game plans fall out of his briefcase, <laughs> and he's
0: half a sandwich.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, the um, lines. yeah, Brisbane for both of us. Okay.
0: Uh, Port Adelaide taking on Richmond at Adelaide Oval, and what shapes to be a real crunch game for the Tigers. Um, Port went too yeah, bad, absolutely. even though they lost. How's bloody Connor Rosie? Third game, five goals. Yeah, I know. They, I mean, they're still a really good team. Yeah.
1: Um, And it could be one of those unlikely victories. You know, you go away from home, you've got most of your star players out. Um, no Dusty, no Jack Watts. So that, uh, unfortunately, would have been an
0: amazing <laughs> bit of charades yeah. in that game. No Dusty, would to see <laughs> no Jack Watts, and no Dusty Jack Watts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just would have been great to you know to have dusty reenact the wise and pulvin though i think that would have been a really yeah good yeah uh, uh but um i'm gonna say port adelaide
0: at home um i think wounded tigers will roar i'm gonna pick richmond and that's my luck of the week all right north take on adelaide at marvel stadium on sunday Does anyone care about this game? (laughs) In a game that I will
1: not watch, and I will never watch, and if anybody tries to tell me any information about the game, I will stick my fingers in my ears and go, la, 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 la.
0: Uh, I am going to tip... Oh, jeez. I mean, North are bad, but Adelaide aren't that impressive either. I'm going to pick North. North just to get this season going. They're going to start out the engine on the old. You know what they're going to do, Will? They're going to pop the hood on that old Kingswood that is the North Melbourne Football Club. But they're not going to pour water in the radiator. They're going to pour a little something different into the radiator. Is that right? They're going to reach into their pocket. They're going to pull out that little flask. They're going to shake it around. And that flask is going to contain a certain shin bonus spirit, Will. They're going to pour that in the radiator. The engine's going to rumble. And they're going to roll on all over the
1: Adelaide Crows. I believe that if you put uh, Shimbona's spirit in your radiator, you'd fuck your car. So yeah. I'm going to say Adelaide.
0: <laughs> West Coast take on Frio in the Derby Derby over in WA. Uh, West well, Coast for me. Anything easy. can Move happen on. in the Derby Derby. Really? Nat 5, question marks, whether or not he'll play. If Nat 5 doesn't play, that they definitely don't win. West Coast easily for me. Yeah, look, I mean, that's the logical
1: thing to say, that West Coast to win the Derby Derby, but... Fremantle play better in derby Ooh.
0: derbies. Yeah. Do I know what's coming? Usual.
1: Do I know what's coming? And so <laughs> here it comes. I'm uh, warming up my hands. <laughs> here we go. Taking and gentlemen. them out to the side. Here we go. And I'm <laughs> blowing on my palms,
0: and I also believe West Coast will win this game. <laughs> <laughs> he zigged me. I thought he was going to zag. Uh, the victorious Gold Coast Sun. The Gold Coast Nangs take on Carlton. At mm, Metricon Stadium. Took me a while yeah, to remember that one was called. Cool. Na- Nang Stadium. Yeah, um, Nang Stadium.
1: Yeah, the newly renamed Nang Stadium. <laughs> well, okay. Here's what i like to believe. I believe I'd believe i like to believe that Gold Coast beat us because Gold Coast are good. And Gold Coast are playing well. I would like that. I love Stewie Jew. I like a lot of the Gold Coast players. Um Carlton look like they've been close to winning a game. Like They they really do feel like they've just been close to getting one. This is a gettable one. Gold Coast aren't used to being this good. They could be off the high of their five-point victory against the Bulldogs.
0: Tony Cochran's had him going to the zoo all week and riding roller coasters. He's bought them all fairy Tony Cochran's
1: been on Media Street in his bunker. He's gone out of the bunker onto Media Street. It's hard. It's hard to know, actually, this one. Tony Cochran Um, organized a
0: parade for them.
1: (laughs) I'm going to say, despite the fact that I hate the Gold Coast as a place, I do not hate the Gold Coast Football Club. So let's say Gold Coast
0: to beat Carlton. Um, I really don't know in this game. My instinct is telling me Gold Coast, so I'm going to tip Carlton. (laughs) Never go with your instinct. (laughs) Never trust your gut. (laughs) I don't trust my own instincts, and that's the way I'm choosing. (laughs) Last match is the Saints take on the Mighty Hawks, the newly minted villains of the AFL, according to two guys, one cup, the Hawthorne Hawks. Uh, I'm tipping the Saints in this game. I actually think we should have won last week, had five more scoring shots. Our inaccuracy cost us. And I think we're playing a good brand of football. I I think that those things are true.
1: I I believe that the Saints are better than I thought the Saints were going to be. And I think that's very hopeful and optimistic. And I think that's a good thing. Um, I think Hawthorne aren't at the peak of their powers, but they're just doing enough to get it done. And I just think they're just going to get better and better as they warm up into it. And if we really need them to be our villain, and it's that's what start we're begging for now in a way, I'm going to say Hawthorne win this. And they do something villainous. This is actually the start of oh, uh, okay. the villainy. The yeah. villainy commences against St Kilda, who everybody has affection for at the moment. And then Hawthorne do something Really fucking villainy. yeah Mitch And it's Chad it's, Wingard. I think yes. Wingard's going to play this week. So Wingard <laughs> starts playing and it changes them to the new villainous Hawks. All right. Um, so uh, Hawthorne win, something villainous happens. And that's my <laughs> luck of the week.
0: You can check us out on Facebook. You can also go to tofop.com to listen to some of our other podcasts. And Will, you're on stage at the moment.
1: I am. My show's called Will Informed. It's on at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. It got a four and a half star review in the Herald Sun yesterday, which was nice. And um, uh, so, you know, as much as you trust that, come and see it. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I think it's, um, I've, I've done 10 now. So I'm up and about and the show's fun. So please come along and see the show. Only 10 shows left and they'll probably all sell out. So just getting quick. If you want to come and see that, play on, not 15. Ball. We
0: are Two Guys, One Car.